0: All right, how's everybody doing? Whenever we decided that we were going to be going over a sermon on the mount, you know, it kind of breaks down into sections and each Sunday is going to be a section and, you know, we're all like, all right, who's going to be teaching on this one? Who's going to be teaching on this one? So I kind of had a couple to pick from and I looked and next week on Valentine's Day is the one about divorce and relationships and I turned around and said, I'm going to let Paul have that one. And, uh, anyway, and then come to find out this week was anger and, uh. I can speak from that one because, uh, you know, I've dealt with it. We've all dealt with it. Uh, so when we get into this today, when we start talking about anger, uh, there's going to be, I don't know. There's some stuff to me that almost kind of feels a little weird to talk about, but we're going to talk about it anyway because it needs to be talked about, but, uh, the one thing I ask as we get into this is just reflecting on yourself as we go through this because that's, that's what's going to need to happen. So we're going to start in Matthew 5. It covers 21 through 26. Uh, but if you look at Jesus' words in verses 21 and 22, we're going to start with those two because this kind of breaks down into three different sections. So we're going to start on 21 and 22 now. In 21 it says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders be the subject be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, this is a cool word I learned, so I used it, raka is answered, uh, answerable to the court, and anyone who says you fool will be in danger uh, of the fire of hell. Now, the reason I used the word raka in there, because I just thought it was cool, because... It's pretty much just like saying uh, you're dumb, you're stupid. I think that's how you put it. RACA. Is that right? R A C A. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's talking about, you know, someone who's dumb and idiot, stupid. And it's pretty much means calling people that. So you don't want to. You don't want to be that. That's, man. You almost say it's a borderline curse word in, in in that. So. Uh, but anyway, so. When Jesus quotes the sixth commandment from Exodus 2013, he uses a Greek word that means uh, premeditated murder. So whenever you're thinking about it, just like in the original Hebrew, uh, the penalty or sorry. The light's bright. I'm right underneath. It's giving me a glare. I can't see what I wrote. I'm going to roll over here a little bit. Uh, So the penalty word uh, was death with that. And it was a capital offense. But Jesus goes a step further and says, our anger directed towards a fellow Christian, a brother or sister in the faith, also makes us liable for judgment. Apparently unresolved anger is a very serious issue that Jesus wanted to confront with this. So what was the bottom line? What was Jesus trying to get to when he was talking about in these two verses? You know, Jesus traces anger back to its source, uh, the condition of our heart uh, murder first begin with a murderous attitude. Desire to harm another. So when you're angry, you know, step back and ask yourself, why? Why am I angry? Uh, and work on resolving it before it turns ugly. Jesus considers the intent as dangerous as the act. So watch out for those thoughts. <clears throat> uh, little story with this going kind of what he's trying to get to is, is look to the source. Like, how many times have you heard somebody say, like, we love watching shows like Criminal Minds. Criminal Minds is a great show, I love those guys. All right, Hotch and, and all them, they're awesome. And every time when they're trying to profile these people, these these you know serial killers, whoever it might be, they start trying to figure out what the root is. What's the, the root cause? We gotta get back to the beginning to fix the problem. Anybody who's been to seen any, talked to any kind of a therapist or anything, it's going back to the root. And, uh, cause I'm a mechanic, that's what I do for a living. I can, can relate that to cars. We had a customer. When I worked over at Bill Arnold's, we did hot rod work, did frame off restoration, stuff like that. We had a customer that turned around and against our better judgment, bought a car off of eBay, a uh, 65 Mustang. Beautiful car, pictures look beautiful, nice interior. So they brought the car in and uh, the guy just kind of wanted to check it over. He bought it, sight unseen, had it shipped in. And when the car was, was, when he brought it up there, you look at the car and you're like, man, that is a gorgeous car, looked beautiful. And he's like, hey, I'm going to leave it with you for a little bit and let y'all kind of go over it and all that kind of stuff. So first thing we do is we make sure all the convertible top and all that stuff works on it because it was down when it was delivered. We thought that was kind of suspicious, so we start putting the top up, and man, nothing lined up. The door, the window seals, nothing. So we're like, "Uh, something's going on. So next thing you know, we put this car on a rack and get it up in the air, and you could almost punch through the floorboards. So somebody turned around and prettied this car up. They put a brand new paint job on it. They put new interior in it. They turned around and made it cosmetically look beautiful, but they did not do anything to the structure of the car, and it was undrivable. It was a safety hazard. We told the customer, you can't drive this car. It's a, it's a safety hazard, because whoever was trying to restore it, they were just worried about what was on the outside. They were just trying to make it look good on the outside. They were not worried about what the structure of it is, and the structure, of your heart. Where is your heart in all this? And that's we, we said it so many times throughout this. With the Sermon on the Mount, is this 100% is pointed back? Is where's your heart at? That's what Jesus is trying to fix in this whole great sermon. This everything he's getting at 100%. It's all pointing to where is your heart at? So, you know, when he's when he's going through these first two, you know, he's like uh, you know, don't call people names. Don't, don't have this hatred. Don't have this anger towards your brothers your sisters. Uh, but then when we start getting into the next couple of verses, when to me, it starts getting a little bit juicier because, uh, it's something to think about and it's something to think about real hard. So in verses 23 and 24, uh, Jesus illustrates with a couple of stories and uh and how seriously we need to resolve anger in our relationships you know because we do all kinds of things to deal with our anger you know we count to 10 we count backwards from 100 uh you know we practice breathing techniques you heard uh this one couple does i heard this one couple discussing in their marriage when i was reading and studying this there was in some of this marriage counseling kind of stuff uh The husband said to the wife, he says, when I get mad at you, you never fight back. How do you control your anger so well? She says, well, I just clean the toilet. And he said, well, how does that help? She goes, I use your toothbrush. You know, everybody has their outlet that they use to try and and quell their anger. All right. Uh, So Jesus deals not so much with our own anger, uh, but with when we make others angry. And this is what he kind of illustrates in 23 and 24. So in verse 23, he says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and reconcile with them, then come and offer your gift. So there's something I want you all to note here. And this is very, very important. And this struck me out. And this is kind of what you were talking about. And we were talking about because when I, when this, this really kind of was something that clicked real well with me, that I had never thought about before. Our relationships with others directly impact our relationship with God. God doesn't want you cozying up to Him in worship, trying to ease your conscience uh, when you need to be out there apologizing to someone you hurt you know and and I always use the phrase you know that's red letter stuff this whole this whole sermon on the mount's red letter which means you know it's important it's something we need if it's in red letters you need to think about it and you need to turn around and try and figure out what's going on there so uh this type of matter is serious <clears throat> and it's so serious that Jesus says that you need to leave your gift at church and go make it right immediately then you can come back and finish worshiping God. At this point, I was going to offer to pause service so we could all leave because we probably all have somebody that we need to go reconcile with at some point. I know it's kind of a funny and we joke about it, but it's true. I, I can think of, I mean, I can probably list you a 10-person list right now at the top of my head of people that I should. If I ever see them, I need to apologize to them, you know. Uh, you know, just someone that you had this, you know, and and... It's, and and like I said, what we're working on here, and I'm going to go into this a little bit more, is what Jesus is working on here is not so much our relate our anger internally. It's the anger we produce in other people, because we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be the light of God. We're supposed to be. God on earth, Christ, Christian means to be Christ-like. That's who we're supposed to be. So what Jesus is working on here is not so much how angry am I on the inside, but he's talking about how angry have you made other people. Because if you're making other people angry, you're obviously not doing it just right. So we'll get into some more of that here in a minute. Uh, Then we're going to jump over to go ahead and go to verse 25 and 26. 26. And here he gives us another illustration. Uh, And what he says in verse 25 is, Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may, may be thrown in prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. So... In other words, what Jesus is saying here, I'm going to break it down into modern-day terms. Settle outside of the courts. Don't turn around and let it go to court. It should never have to get that far. It really shouldn't. If you've hurt somebody and you're so determined on being right, you're never going to turn around, and it's going to not be good in the end if you're trying to defend that. when I was in the army, when we were coming home, uh, from Iraq, we had to turn around and have some counseling. And one of the big things was, uh, for relationship and marriage and stuff like that, because they're like, Hey, you've been fighting a war for a year. You haven't seen your family for a year. Uh, gotta be easy. You know, it's going to take a learning curve to do it. And one of the things that they told us and all that is, uh, the, the counselor that was talking to us said, I've learned that you can be right or you can be happy. And uh, that certainly holds true for marriage, but it also in every other relationship. You know, uh, Courtney knows because I have the bad problem where I want to be right. And uh, I never end up happy when I argue that I want to be right. But... <clears throat> anger, anger. And I, I, suffer from this so bad. I, I, I was, I was having an angry fit yesterday. I'm just, was going to be open to be, kind of be honest about it. I didn't, I didn't prepare a big, huge sermon to turn around and try and last forever. I just kind of wanted to get up here and get an opportunity to kind of speak from the heart on this. You know, like yesterday I was, I was struggling and I was angry and, uh, I was hurting. I was sore. I had to go to work yesterday, did not want to go to work. I came home. I had said something rude to Courtney on my way out the door because I didn't want to do it. And of course, and I'm speaking to the guys in this one, guys know women fester. Guys, we're like a bottle rocket. It's over. We're done. Women, it's a slow fire. It's a coal burn. It's going to sit there and fester. So I come home, and of course, she's still upset with me. I was done kind of over it, but she wanted to talk about it. I didn't want to talk about it. I got angry, you know. And, uh, that's, that's one thing that we've got to learn to control is our reactions because it says, is it, is it Psalms four, four, let me get my, let me get my my phone out so I can look it up. I think it's Psalms four, four. It says, "Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts, on your bed, on your beds, and be silent." Uh, and that, be angry, but don't sin. You know what it's saying there is, it's okay to be angry. We can get angry about stuff. Jesus got angry. He flipped tables and chased people around the church, around the synagogue with whips. You know, like it's okay to be angry. But it's, what do you do with that anger? Do you turn around and you know yell at your wife? Do you turn around and you know say a cuss word to somebody? You know, do you turn around and fight somebody? I mean, how do you how do you use that anger? What do you do with it? And uh, I can't tell you because everybody's different. Everybody in this room is different. Uh, only you, you and God. That's that's between you, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Y'all gonna have to have a come to Jesus meeting and figure out what is it. You know, but it does tell us be angry and do not sin. So we can't let it turn to sin. I uh you know, I, like I said, I, I struggle with the, the anger part. That's always been, been my thing, man. Whenever I got back from the Army and I was dealing with some of the PTSD and, and all that kind of stuff, man, I had a short fuse, short fuse. It didn't take much to tee me off at all. You're a veteran, you've probably been there before, you know. But whenever you're gone for a while, you're around that atmosphere. You're, you're, you know, your dad was a vet. Whenever they go to any kind of deployment and they're gone and they're separated from everything that you know, and you're in that, and, and you don't have to be in war, but when you're on the ship and you were gone for eight, ten months, a year, and, and even though that you do have your free time and you do have your downtime, you're not out there, you know, having fun. You're, you're in the military. You're preparing for war. You're ready for it to tee off at any moment. That's being in the military is what it's about, being prepared for the tee off at any moment. You can react, hey, we're ready to go to war right now. So when you get into that mindset, when you come home, it's hard to break that mindset. I got pulled over when I was in Iraq. It was nothing for us because, I mean, it's, it's t- dirty, it's trashy, and there's IEDs planted everywhere. So there's so much trash and stuff in the road that we, you know, you're swerving into this lane, you're swerving into that lane. We're running the Humvees and we're going on missions and stuff. So we're constantly just swerving around. So as soon as we get back from Iraq, I turn around and I'm driving one day and next thing you know, I look in my rearview mirror and it's a cop pulling me over and I said, what can I do for you? He said, man, you've been drinking? I said, no, sir. He said, well, you were swerving around back there. I didn't even notice there were some some trash on the side of the road, and instinctively, no turn signal, no. that, I start swerving into oncoming traffic, I'm dodging it, you know, because it had been, you know, something that was ingrained into me for a year, and it, and it, and it dwelt on me, and, and uh, that's that, and I immediately started to get irritated with the cop, that anger started festering up because I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but it's not working. You know, it's not it's not in compliance with over here. So <clears throat> what I'm trying to get to in that is whenever you think you're, it's normal or you get in your comfort zone or whatever it may be, that might not be the comfort zone or that might not be reasonable. When it says, uh, be angry and don't sin, there's different kinds of sin, you know. Jesus... I say different kinds of sin. A sin is a sin, but, you know, Jesus, you, you would think Jesus trashing a, you know, flipping tables in a synagogue would be a sin because he's destroying the church, you know. But I wouldn't consider that a sin. Now, if somebody come in here and started flipping our piano, I'd be like, whoa, you're sinning, fella, calm down, you know. Like, So there's different situations, but so that's what I'm saying. you gotta you got to think about it and you got to be prepared for your individual uh, assessment of it and what would you do with your anger. Uh, the best thing that I do with my anger is I have a release for it. Judge me if you will; You're not supposed to, but you can if you want. A couple of nights a week, I like to get online and and I play some online video games with some friends. You know, that's that's my release. Courtney knows. She, sometimes I'll turn around and be, she'll know and she'll turn around and she'll ask me. She go, "Are any of your friends online playing right now?" And that's my cue that I must be getting irrita- I must be irritable right now. And maybe I need to go do something to, to, to take a breath, to relax, to, to, you know, change my mind a little bit. And so, you know, I'll turn around and go jump on and play some games with my friends, you know, find your release, find it. And it's, you know, there's, you can't bottle it up. Bottling it up is the worst thing you can do. I did that for years and years and years. My wife didn't know the struggles that I had when I got back from Iraq because I was so good at hiding it, you know, uh, Well, I say I was good at hiding it. You might have known and just didn't want to say anything. I don't know. But don't bottle it up. Find your release. Talk to somebody. You know, uh, we got some awesome set of pastors up here at this church. We'd be happy to meet you. Anybody at any point, anywhere. Turn around and have a cup of coffee. You know, grab a bite to eat and talk about stuff. Find something. Find a release. Find some way. Uh, But. Like I was saying earlier, you know, if you notice that in both of those little sections of Scripture in 23 through 26 in those two stories, leave your gift at the altar and then come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going to court and all that kind of stuff, if you really think about it and look at those two things, uh, both of those have to do with our anger at all, but rather with others who are angry with us. So, you know, it's one of those, maybe if we kind of work on resolving the anger we've provoked in others, maybe we wouldn't have as hard a time handling our own anger, you know, because it feeds off of each other. Anger feeds off of anger. You know, how many times do you turn around and be like, oh man, did you hear somebody did, somebody was saying this about you. And if you turn around and don't care, nothing ever comes of it. But when I was in high school, if somebody was talking trash about me, I'm going to talk trash about them. And next thing you know, we're meeting up after school to turn around and fight. You know, it's stuff like that. Like, we can't—anger will breed anger. It will fester. It will sow it, and you'll reap it. So, <clears throat> you know, and Jesus talks about—because because what he really seems to be talking about here to me, to me, is dealing with others. Now, don't—Jesus is an awesome Jesus, so he turns around and— uh, he gives us help whenever we're talking to ourselves, like in Matthew 18:15 through 7. If you want to go look it up on your own, you know, to how we're to confront a person privately and take, you know, and it tells you to take it to the church if that doesn't work. You know, if we've been hurt, if we've been offended, or if somebody comes at us and we're angry at them, you know, for something they've done, Jesus does tell us how to do that. But what we're talking about here is Jesus so seems to be pointing at how we treat other people. Cause that's where our heart is. If you start looking through the stuff we've already done, like the law, you know, uh, God doesn't want servants that are just following the law. It's, it's more than a physical following of the law. It's a spiritual, it's a change on the inside that's supposed to happen to us. And, uh, you know, i will tell the story that I was saved, you know, I, I was baptized And I don't have any doubt in my mind that my spot in heaven was secure. I remember the fuzzies and the the butterflies in my stomach and all that stuff when I got baptized when I was was 8 or 9, Church of Christ, you know. But it wasn't until later that I felt I was truly saved, you know, after I got back from Iraq, after I was married, after I had kids, when I felt like I was truly saved, when I had my encounter with God. But, And it took a change for that. Like I had to allow that change to happen and, and it changed my heart and it, and it put me into a state where I still deal with anger, but I have a better way of handling it. You know how many fights I've been in since I've got back with God? None. Like physical fights, you know, how many times have I had confrontations with people? A few. I always go back and apologize afterwards, say, I'm sorry, try to make it right. Right. You know, because I know now and especially even more when you start reading the scripture and really studying stuff like this, like the Sermon on the Mount, you start understanding that you are a representation of Christ. And I think that's why Jesus starts going into it's not so much right here on how you're affected because you're supposed to forgive and forget. You're supposed to love all, love everybody. Where's your heart at? But if you offend somebody, that's why Jesus is going into this, because he wants you to be able to go and straighten your problem out with them. Say, hey, we're fixing to work through this. You know, that doesn't mean they're going to accept your apology. Don't expect them to accept your apology over time. But it's where's your heart at. And if your heart's in the right spot, you know, if you turn around and come to give your gift at the altar, and you turn around and say, man, I was rude to you know, somebody the other day. Straighten it out. Go to that person. Say, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have reacted the way I did. If they turn around and say, screw you. I don't care. All right. That's fine. That's not your responsibility. That's between them and God now. But you did what you're supposed to. You turn around and put your heart in the right place. And you turn around and went and tried to correct the situation. Now you have the right heart. You've got that giving heart. And God's ready to accept what you've got for him. So... Maybe you've tried to make it right and the other person won't let it go. They won't forgive you. Uh, in cases like this, I like Romans twelve eighteen. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You know, uh, we do all we possibly can, and then we leave the rest to God. So sometimes it's not possible uh, because the other person doesn't want peace. Uh, so don't beat yourself up for it. So just move on and trust God and work in their hearts. And, uh, I know this is going to, I didn't really know where I was going to end this at. So it's, I'm. you know, we went over the scripture. We kind of understand it, but this is one of those things that I've struggled with so hard with the anger issue that it's almost hard for me to to figure it out because I don't have the answers for it. I don't have it figured out how to fix it. I really don't. All I can do is just keep reading reading what Jesus says, reading the word and what does God tell me to do, and just try and mimic those. You know how many times you're going to have to eat crow? You're going to have to turn around. You know you're right. You know you did good. You know you didn't do anything wrong, but yet you're the one that's going to have to walk up, suck it up, especially if you get married and you're a guy. You're going to have to turn around and just say, I was wrong. You were right. No matter what the situation really was, and apologize about it. That's just, that's part of living. That's part of being free of anger. Because whenever you dwell on it, when you let it build up inside of you, it's just going to make things worse. Uh, There was something else I turned around and had topped up on my phone. So God doesn't want us to be bound up, chained up, enslaved, and held captivity by fear or worry. And I kind of left that out because, you know, this is mainly dealing with anger, but fear and worry have so much. It's a it's it's a very, very easy step from fear and worry to anger. You know, with my kids, whenever they fall and one of them cracks their head open or something like that, what is my first reaction? I'm angry. But not at my kid. I'm just angry at the situation because I'm so worried about them that I get angry. So, uh, sorry guys, I'm just trying to figure out how to word it because i didn't really want to go into this but i kind of end up going into it anyway uh with that fear and that worry it's so easy to become angry about it so we don't want to allow ourselves to get pushed to this point where we don't have the right responses to things and that all goes back to that psalms 44, the don't uh Be angry, but do not sin. Uh, It's all about your reactions. And I know that I kind of, this is several, like three or four times that I've talked about that, but that's the most important aspect to anger is how the reaction from you handles it. Do you turn around and fly off the cuff, or do you turn around and try and keep a calm, cool, collected mind in it? I don't understand how I can turn around and... uh, have gone through a war time, and there could have been bullets bouncing off the Humvee around me, and it never me. And I stay so calm, cool, and collected through war. And then I would come home, and my wife would look at me wrong, and I would explode. I can't explain why. I don't know what's going on, all the time. I can't explain how it works. It just does. All I know is, it's something you've got to give to God, and you've got to work with God on to turn around and learn how to control it, and learn how to take how to how to allow him to guide you through overcoming it because it's not going to be a flip of a switch. It's not going to just immediately go away. You're not going to immediately lose the anger, but you're going to learn how to work through that anger, You know how to respond properly, how to react properly. And you're never going to be able to do it unless you turn around and dive into the word and you get to know God. And you, get to, you get to know how he wants us to act and how he wants us to react to things and Jesus is the example that he sent to show us how to react to things. One of my favorite things to quote to people all the time is when all the Pharisees and and everything and the Sadducees are are pointing at Jesus when Pontius Pilate has him standing up there and they're all accusing him of everything how did Jesus respond? He stayed silent. He didn't. You know Jesus had more authority than anybody to face his accusers in that situation, but he didn't, he stayed silent. Sometimes we need to stay silent. Be still, you know, be quiet. It's, it's, it's something that I struggle with. It's something that I know everybody struggles with. Anybody's got kids struggles with for sure. Uh, I just want y'all to in, as we kind of wrap this up and end this out. I know that this isn't your typical sermon because I'm not giving you the answers because I don't know them because I can't tell you how to react with it, how to handle your own personal anger. But I am telling you that Jesus and God will show you how to handle your own anger. He will show you how to handle it. You just got to go to him for it. You got to go to advice. He might turn around and give you advice from 20 different people, and you're able to condense it all down and, and, and build a system that works for you. You know? And that's, that's kind of where I, I'm at, and my system changes constantly. Things I used to be able to handle good, I can't handle as good now. You know, things that I used to not be able to handle at all, I can handle really good now. It's constantly changing. It's constantly adapting. But we are supposed to be constantly adapting. You know, it, it, this is going to be kind of a weird stress. This is going to be a YouTube point-click thing here. But it, the, the Bible is the living word. It's constantly changing to meet the parameters jesus was the word we're supposed to be like jesus so we're supposed to be ever-changing too you know we're supposed to be constantly adapting to whatever scenario we're put into because that's what jesus was jesus adapted so i'm going to go ahead and wrap it up a little bit early so we can go catch the end of the super bowl too uh but Anyway, if there's anybody who has any questions about anger, I don't have the answers, but I'll work through it with you. And I know that's how it's gonna be. Paul might have some better answers than me. Michelle, Courtney, Rex, Tammy, they might have better answers. I do not have all the answers for you. And that's the the biggest thing I can tell you is, and I don't know of anybody that's gonna be able to answer all those questions for you. There's no therapist. There's nobody that is walking on this earth in a physical form. That's going to be able to tell you all the answers. Reading the Bible tells you how to, it gives you ch- hints. It tells you how to do it, what, what the ultimate goal is, what it wants you to do. But how you get from point A to point B, that's on you. And that's between you and God. And it's something that you need to work on in your own personal time. So I didn't want to end like that. And I don't like being uh, looked at as a pastor and, and standing up here in front of a congregation and giving a message and turning around and telling you that I don't know. And I don't have the answers, but I can help you work through it. I can, I can help that bear that cross because I've bared that cross. I still bear that cross, you know? And, uh, so if anybody has any questions about anger, feel free to come up and ask me and, and man, we can walk hand in hand through anything. So I'm going to close this in prayer and, uh, let us kind of go ahead and get out of here. Uh, don't forget that we have women's meeting Tuesday night, Denny seven o'clock uh we're going to be having our we almost should call it a fiesta if for're doing a taco bar. We're having our church church party get together, open Bible study, whatever you want to call it, our gathering our get together we're just we're just yeah, church fiesta sounds awesome. It's going to be an opportunity for everybody to get to share. This place up here, this little area, is not mine. It's not Paul's. It's not anybody. It belongs to the church. So if anybody, this is a chance for anybody to say what's on their mind, what they're working through, what they need help with, you know, what God's showing them. You know, if you've got scripture, bring a scripture, bring a verse, stuff like that. So uh, we'll work through that. Like I said, we'll have the sign-up sheet next week, hopefully, uh, to bring chips or desserts. We'll have a, hopefully we'll have a list about the specifics when it comes to desserts, individually packaged, stuff like that, so we can be a little anti-COVID around here. So uh, if anybody has any questions, hit us up afterwards, uh, and I'm going to close this out. So dear Heavenly Father, just uh, thank you for this opportunity to get together, Lord. Uh, Lord, as we go into this week and we continue to move, Lord, uh, we don't know how to handle everything all the time, Lord, but you do and you're a good father and you want to uh, help us walk through these journeys, through these struggles that we're going to have, Lord. So, uh, man, we give you open permission to interfere, to, to become involved in our situations. Lord, if we start getting angry, if we start feeling offended, Lord, help us to have a heart that's just full of grace and sympathy towards other people, Lord. And if we have offended anybody or we have been angry towards caused anger in another human being, Lord, just, uh, man, open up a door to give us an opportunity to uh, reconcile that relationship, to, to square everything away, to make it to where we can come before the altar and lay it down in good faith and with a good heart, Lord because we don't want to hold ourselves back, but we know we do constantly. So help free us of these burdens by showing us how to walk through these steps that we have, Lord. Uh, and just, man, be with us as we kind of continue through this season, Lord. As we were talking before, we know that the this... Uh, coronavirus is kind of up and down and and we have all this weird stuff going on lord and nobody's really sure what's happening because nobody's getting a clear answer but you know lord so we just want a move of you in this we pray healing over uh this whole area through, through with all these people we pray wisdom we pray peace through all of it lord and uh and just last and most of all lord we want to thank you for jesus and sending him to die on a cross for us and it's in his name we pray amen